Hello and welcome to the Car Stories Podcast, brought to you by the Peterson Automotive Museum. My name is Kyle Hyatt, James McKeon, whereabouts unknown. I'm just kidding. He's in Australia uh, visiting his family for a couple of weeks. So, you know, I'm sure he's punching ruse in the face and whatever it is they do uh, down there. Uh, anyway, we're here today with uh, uh, somebody a little bit different, someone who works for the Peterson. Um, we're going to do a series of uh, interviews with people that, that work here because most of them are pretty into cars and uh, they have pretty cool backgrounds. And uh, I think nobody exemplifies that better than collections manager Dana Williamson. Uh, Dana's been involved with cars for pretty much ever, I think it's fair to say. And uh, we're psyched to uh, have you on the podcast. Thanks for taking some time out of your day. My pleasure, Kyle. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So how uh, how'd you get started uh, get started with cars? Like what sparked your interest initially? Um, you know, initially, I think it was probably um, my childhood growing up. My father worked for International Harvester okay. uh, in the Boston area. And so I used to go to work with him on Saturday mornings. So uh, he usually went into his office for a half a day, and he would let me have the run of the back lot. So by the time I was six or seven years old, I had probably sat in every International Harvester truck <laughs> model that had been made. And then when I was close to, um, I wasn't even in high school yet, but uh, I w- was given the job on Saturday mornings as I used to drive all the trucks and shuffle them around and oh, wow. line them up. So, you know, I had access to uh, equipment. I had access to all the mechanics that were there uh, that used to kid me because I was, I was so young. Um, and I just really enjoyed that experience. And I think that is what sparked uh, my interest in all things mechanical. Um, also, I, I came from a, uh, my background uh, for my grandparents. They were all, uh, my grandmother was a concert pianist and violin player. My grandfather was a, a tailor of men's suits. Um, so everybody uh, was into uh, not just trades, but arts, and they were very artistic and very creative. Sure. And all working with their hands in, in, in one way or another. That's, that's really cool. So after you know, you had all this experience with International Harvester, which is, uh, you know, pretty cool actually, because <laughs> right. everybody likes those. Um, what did uh, like what? How did you kind of start? How did your career in cars start? I mean, I understand you had your own shop for a while. Yeah, actually, uh, just to give you a little background, um, when I graduated from uh, high school, uh, I went to uh, my next step was Northeastern University. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got my graduate degree in civil engineering. And then from there, I got a fellowship at uh, MIT. And uh, I worked in their test tank uh, developing uh, uh, monohulls for sailboats. Oh, cool. Um, And, you know, when I was ready to go out into the real world and and get a (laughs) job, uh, there weren't too too many things out there that that I didn't want to sit in an office. I didn't want to calculate things all day long. So uh, I started my own business. And uh, it was not the car business, though. It was uh, a display business. I was building inter- interactive uh, and animated displays for museums and, oh, and okay. uh, stores. And um, then after, as I did that, I realized that, you know, my passion, I still had that passion for cars. So I had a shop where I could create a lot of different things. We had a machine shop. We had a carpentry shop. So I brought in, I, I think my first car that I brought in was a 1937 MGTA okay. that I had purchased. Uh, this is long before internet, you know, so if you bought a car in Europe, it probably took you about at least six months because you wrote letters back and oh, forth. Oh, sure. Yeah, know, I can imagine. And dealt with uh, all 
uh, all things related to transportation through the mail. Mm-hmm. So that was my first car. We worked on that in the back of the shop. And um, then from then on, um, our display shop became a restoration shop. So that's where uh, we started actually. And we were specializing at that time on British cars from uh, of the 30s and 40s. Okay. After that, we went into Corvettes. We did several uh, uh, Stingray series Corvettes only. We did several split windows. Oh, very nice. Uh, from fuel, uh, fuel lead to, uh, to the four barrels and, and such. And uh, then uh, after that, uh, got pretty heavy into motorcycles. Okay. Yeah, and that's one thing is, is when, I, when I first met you... Um, I think we were talking about your, you had a BSA that you'd had for, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you've since said you've, you got rid of that. Right. But I, uh, uh, yeah, I had a, up until recently I had a 67 BSA Thunderbolt, oh, wow. which is, uh, I have had, I had that bike for probably, uh, 10, 12 years. Uh, it was the kind of, I had a, uh, Thunderbolt when I was in high school. Okay. So, you know. You get older, and then you you know look back to your sure. youth, and you say, "Geez, I want to get a bike like that back again." Uh, but I met a fellow in San Francisco who just had to have the bike, so he yeah. now has the bike. Uh, I do have two bikes here. I have a, a 1972 uh, Rickman mm-hmm. uh, English six day trials bike, and I have a 1975 Harley Davidson Armachi uh, SS 250. Yeah, I saw that at the uh, recent Breakfast Club cruise, and more importantly, yeah. heard it, which was oh, yes, awesome. Yes. You can't you can't miss a two stroke. No, it's nice. Sure. It's such a rare thing to hear anymore. I mean, nobody makes two strokes, and then people don't really ride them that often. It seems no, it, it and in a lot of states don't particularly at the registry like two strokes anyway because of you know the burning of the oil with the fuel. Yeah. Um, what's interesting um, about the uh, about the the Harley that I have, like all. Uh, of the uh, Harley Davidson on uh, marching models, Harley Davidson at the time in the in the late sixties wanted uh, the market was being flooded by Japanese mm-hmm. uh, uh, motorcycle manufacturers because they had two strokes sure. and they were marketing to all the college kids. Harley Davidson only had their big two uh, two cylinder models that uh, they were cruisers, they were large bikes, so they wanted to get into the two stroke market. Two stroke market also, mm-hmm. so they had a meeting. They said, uh, "What do we do? Do we?" Uh, do we uh, gear up to make two strokes or do we find somebody to make them for us? Uh, at the time, they were in financial dire straits. They were bought out by AMF. Yeah. Um, so AMF said, look, uh, you know, there's a uh, Italian uh, motorcycle manufacturer that, you know, they're thinking of selling the business. Why don't we buy that business? They make a two-stroke bike. They'll mm-hmm. make, you know, we'll be in control. They'll make our bikes and, you know, we'll enter the two-stroke market. And that's what they did. And they had it for for quite a few years until the Italians and Harley didn't see eye to eye. Sure, and they actually bought their company back from Harley Davidson. Oh, neat, interesting. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. You know that they thought it would be a super super good idea to combine famed Harley Davidson reliability with Italian two stroke reliability. And right. <laughs> well, when the, <laughs> I think part of their mistake was that it was during the seventies. Like I said, mm-hmm. early seventies, everything was psychedelic and and uh, you know um, metal flake and things like that. So sure. the bikes that they would come out with would be metallic purple and metallic lime green and metallic orange. Mm-hmm. And for the American market, you know, if people were buying a Harley, they wanted a Harley. Sure. You know, they really didn't want a two-stroke. They sense. felt, if we're going to buy a two-stroke, we'll buy one from the Japanese. Yeah. And how does it compare to something like like the Yamaha, the RDs or whatever, or the um, the Kawasaki uh, 
uh, two strokes, is it is it fairly comparable? I mean, it's 250cc, right? So it's a fairly right. big. It's fairly big. Unfortunately, if you look at uh, my 75 Harley Armarchi and you look at it, uh, you could think it would be from the 40s or 50s. Mm. You know, the Italians, you know, great designers and coach-built cars and things like that. But with these motorcycles, they were kind of stuck, yeah. you know. They didn't, uh, uh, they didn't redesign them at any time, so they always look like an older bike. Um, Performance-wise, they still didn't, uh, I don't think they held up to the performance of a Japanese bike. They were too heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, their gearing was a lot different. Uh, still high revving, but um, but when you ride one, they're, they're pretty cool bikes to ride. I right mean, on. I enjoy it. I've never been a, uh, a a Japanese bike fan, but, you know, I love the MRG. Sure. Well, then let's segue into um, the other thing that I think is maybe the coolest thing ever. Uh, <laughs> this is your daily driver, your, your Land Rover. <laughs> um, it, like, it's funny because, you know, if, if, if you've ever been to the Peterson Museum, you drive into the parking structure and there's a couple cars from the collection kind of strategically placed. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't know any better, you just assume that this old sort of worn looking Land Rover is part of that collection. Yeah. But, well, that's but, true. It does have a certain patina to it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually my second Land Rover. Um, from the East Coast. I had one back there. When I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, I said, should I take my Land Rover with me? Ah, no, I, I should sell it. So I sold it. Of course, when we moved out here, then it was like, boy, I really miss that Land Rover. <laughs> so it took me a while to find another one. I have a, uh, mine is a 1973 uh, Series 88. Mm-hmm which is an 88-inch uh, wheelbase. Uh, and, of course, it would be comparable to the, uh, what they made as the, the Defender 90, which was a 90-inch sure. wheelbase. And now they're going to be making the Defender again, well, a similar uh, Land Rover again um, in the Defender kind of styling line. But, uh, of course, they don't make it anymore yeah. at the moment. And so it's a beautiful car. I mean, it's, it's, and it's interesting, too, because it's, um, it's left-hand drive, which is not you know, super, right. super common. They didn't bring that many Land Rovers over in right. left-hand drive. Um, but then it's got, it talks, there's like a New South Wales plate on it. Or something. Yeah, so what's it, the story? It, it was actually uh, um, bought by a gentleman in the States uh, in California, and he was doing, he was making documentaries. Mm-hmm. So uh, he shipped this Land Rover over to, to Australia, and he used it there for several years, hence registered in Australia. And uh, used it for shooting his documentaries. Uh, the, the truck has a, or car, if you want to call it that, has a lot of period <laughs> equipment on it, the compass and and uh, the roof rack and the ladder and a lot of the cases and uh, jacks and everything else are, are all seventies period fog lights and things, hella lights and things like that because it's it was used and it's basically in the same state that it was. Half the paint is already peeled off mm-hmm. the aluminum, but. It has a great patina and yeah. you know, it really looks cool. Yeah, and that's that's. I mean, that's what makes a Land Rover look great. I mean, it always, I always think it's weird if you go to a show or something and see one that's like bright and shiny, and even even the the line between restored and over restored for those just seems right. so thin. Just well, it's interesting. A, a friend of mine, he actually has a has a show called Car Matchmaker, Spike First, and mm-hmm. he he has a Land Rover similar to mine that he had restored. So, I mean, it is impeccable, uh, sure. shiniest paint, the greatest interior. But when you see his park next to mine, uh, it, it almost lacks character. Yeah. Because it, it, it just 
doesn't. You're right. It just <laughs> doesn't fit the Land Rover profile. Yeah. yeah. Well, you hear that, Spike? Shots fired. Ooh, Spike. Yeah, you're going to get me on that one, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, talking about your move uh, uh, from the East Coast to the West Coast, I mean, how long have you been out here? Uh, I've been... Uh, I've been, well, my wife and I have been commuting back and forth, you might say bi-coastal, mm-hmm. for probably about 18 to close to 20 years. Okay. Um, we lived back east. Uh, my wife worked in the entertainment business, so she was uh, on the CBS lot out here a lot. So we've always maintained a home apartment here mm-hmm. and a home back east. And about, uh, I would say it was probably a little over four years ago, you know, I said, you know, we've got to pick a coast finally. <laughs> you know, we've got to settle somewhere. And she said, well, you know something? Um, I'm not going back east. <laughs> I said, yeah. okay, well, that. So uh, I came out here and uh, sold my business and, and came out here and said, I want to find something interesting to do. Um, walked into the Peterson Museum, and when they say timing is everything, it was the perfect timing. Their uh, collection manager had just left, and mm-hmm. there was a position open, and I was hired um, like a, a few days after... I, I had walked into the museum. Wow. And so I've been here for probably, you know, three plus years. Okay. And, and I mean, just to clarify, collections manager, what is like, what does that entail? People think of, you know, the people behind the scenes working with the cars as being like the curators or something, but that's right. not, not your job. No, it's not. And, and it is funny, uh, the title collection manager, uh, you know, some places where I go and people say, you work at the museum? And I say, yeah, I'm the collections manager there. And they said, oh, I'd love to deal with money all day long. I said, no, 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 that's not what I deal. I said, how about this? I am the manager of the collection. Then they they kind of get it. You're right. Uh, the 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 curator is is more uh, in acquiring uh, the cars to form to fulfill a mission statement of a museum. Sure. Uh, to uh, uh, put perfect cars into the collection um, so that uh, they can be displayed at the museum, have certain exhibits. The collection manager uh, takes it from there. Uh, my department has to make sure we we. Restore, we maintain, um, we repair. Uh, we have cars that we call preservation cars in which we have to be very careful how we handle them. Mm-hmm. They, we won't drive them because of the, either their age or originality. We have cars that, uh, that we have to keep roadworthy. They're cars that might go out to a Cars and Coffee to promote the museum or might go on a rally. Sure. Um, I've driven, you know, for instance, we did a rally in Santa Fe, New Mexico with a 1929 DuPont. Oh, wow. Um, So it had to be not only roadworthy, but we needed it to finish the rally. We send cars to Pebble Beach. They do the Pebble Beach tour, Mm -hmm. depending if they're, you know, um, uh, last year we did the tour in a 37 Delahaye. So... Uh, we have to keep everything uh, operational. Those that aren't, we have to make sure that they're preserved in a correct way. Uh, we have to take care of the logistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working on a restoration project right now, a, a 1960 MGA mm-hmm. uh, that is just about finished. The body just came back from paint. Yeah, I just saw that the other day. Uh, yeah, it's gorgeous. Isn't it? Uh, we do... So we do everything here but paint. We don't do the paint. Sure. Uh, we don't have the facilities. We... You know, don't have a spray booth, but uh, I don't think we ever will. But we can do all the mechanical work. We can do the body work. We can mm-hmm. do all of that here. Okay. So. That's cool. Um, so what are what are some examples, I guess you say, like preservation cars? So mm-hmm. what are some, some of the vehicles in the Peterson collection that that people might know that, that you would consider those that preservation uh, car where you wouldn't drive it and you just have to be very careful about, you know, maintaining that originality or 
Sure. Um, let's see what we got that, that we could put. Well, we have a 1900 Smith mm-hmm. uh, that's been restored. It's one of the first production cars uh, that was built in Los Angeles. Okay. So that car is now 116 years old. Uh, it It is in, uh, we keep it in shape, so if it ever needed to run, it could run. Um, we ran it before we put it on permanent display, mm-hmm. but that would be a preservation car. Okay. Uh, we have, uh, and but then uh, just to show you, we also have a 1913 Mercer mm-hmm. raceabout, and um, it's it is what we call driving preservation in that it's original, it's got a lot of patina on it, but we keep it running, and I actually drive that one on the road, uh, very carefully. Uh, you know, we're very respectful of its age and mm-hmm. its originality, but it's it's not a trail queen. Sure, you know. I think I heard a, a pretty interesting story about that car at the um, the Pebble Beach tour, where it was overheating or something, and then the the cop told you to move it off the side of the road. Or uh, that one, I'm not familiar with, but know. but that's that's very possible. Uh, I did. Uh, this is a uh, anybody familiar with a 1913 Mercer? It was capable in 1913 of doing 100 miles an hour, which is incredible. It is. Uh, it has and wooden terrifying. It terrifying. It has wooden wheels, uh, wooden spoke wheels. The uh, only has brakes on the on the rear wheels. There's no front mm-hmm. wheel brakes. Um, and then when you lo- when you're losing fuel pressure, you have to hand pump the pressure as you're driving. <laughs> hand pump if you lo- if your oil pressure is down. Uh, it takes a lot of uh, hands and legs, you know, to, sure. to operate the car. I've had it up to about 65 miles an hour. Uh, oh wow! And that's terrifying. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. No protection of any kind from no. you know, just a little it, tiny screen. No, and you ask what else I do here, and something I, I guess I should mention is I am very fortunate in that uh, I am uh, insured to drive most any car that we have here. Nice. Uh, I put quite a bit of uh, miles on Steve McQueen's uh, Jaguar 56 mm-hmm. Jaguar XKSS. Which is incredible considering the rarity and value of that car. Incredible, is, it yeah. is. We have a, a 1952 Ferrari Barchetta in our collection. which is Ford car? The Henry Ford car, which mm-hmm. is close to what we would call preservation uh, because it's an original car from 52, a lot of original paint on it. Engine's never been apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I have driven that somewhat. We drive it less and less because of the originality factor. Sure. And with Ferraris, the, the value keeps going up. Of course. You know? So uh, lots of times it's not about me driving. It's somebody else that might be on the road that mm-hmm. you know may not be paying attention. Sure. Well, that's true of any classic car too. I mean, absolutely. Uh, what are, I mean, apart from, from those incredibly, you know, rarefied high value cars, what are some of your favorite cars in the collection to, to drive? Uh, driving cars. Uh, I would say the, the 56 Jag XKSS would be mm-hmm. my most favorite. Uh, the, uh, Ford, uh, 1967 Ford GT40 Mark III. Mm. Oh yeah. Uh, is a favorite that I drive the 52 Barquetta. I love driving that. Um, I, uh, you know, it's, it, we have a, also have a, uh, nine, a 2005 Ford GT. Sure. Which, uh, I enjoy driving, um, because when I drive the 67, uh, GT40, which is a beast, mm-hmm. uh, it has no ventilation, no air conditioning, <laughs> nothing. And the, uh, new GT has similar performance and has air conditioning. Oh yeah. Power windows and everything. So, so that's a joy. You know, it's hard to it's hard to pick favorites. Uh, we have uh, a Porsche 356 and a 911, which are great. We have uh, we have some one-off uh, sports and racing cars. Uh, I've been able to get some track time in at Thermal Racetrack. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, so they're nice. Um, 
you know, uh, the 29 DuPont I mentioned doing a rally in, it's a, it's a great car built as a, a racing car, um, but it was actually a road car. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very sweet to drive. Hmm. So. So what are some of the bigger challenges of, of keeping the collection, or at least the, the pieces in the collection that are, are kept in running driving condition? I mean, how, how big of an, a deal is it to, I mean, with the internet and various, how, how is it? I guess what I'm trying to say is how difficult is it to, 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 to do that job? I mean, keep them in that order, find parts, keep that, sure. or, you know, collect that knowledge and, and store it. Well, um, we're, we're lucky in that we have a, we have a great reference library that mm-hmm. we're building every day. Uh, Mr. Peterson collected many, many things. We've had a lot of donations. So, uh, we do have a great reference library that we, we refer to quite often. I have a great team of technicians, uh, Rob Brenner, you know, Eric, Jose, uh, they're all, uh, trained mechanics, um, who also have a passion for cars. Mm -hmm. So we have the people that can do the work, but you're right. Even with the net internet, uh, the problem is getting parts, breaking parts. We have to manufacture a lot of parts ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, we either have to machine them or have someone machine them when something breaks. Um, we, uh, and they just, as you know, not only don't make parts for some of these cars anymore, but finding the people who could even make the part or knew what it originally sure. was, yeah. you know, is, is difficult to search out. But having said that, uh, the internet, of course, uh, the ability now to Google just about anything you want, <laughs> I mean, helps us out a great deal. I mean, we we were looking for a um, a certain voltage regulator for the Delahaye before it went to Pebble Beach. And we actually found it through eBay. Oh, I wow. Mean, you know, which, you know, of course, years ago before that was unheard of. Like sure. I said, you'd be writing letters, you know, for six months just trying to locate something. That's pretty incredible. Um, have you guys had a chance to employ like some of the, the newer methods, like 3D printing, like the rapid prototyping stuff for making parts? Is that something the museum is No, gonna... that's that's nothing we have done yet. Uh, we have a great relationship with Jay Leno's Garage. Sure. Uh, I'm over there quite often, and uh, Jay has the means to do a lot of things that we don't have the means to do at the having, moment. Having been to Jay's Garage, he sure does. Sure. So he has <laughs> actually two 3D printers. Oh, wow. And uh, I, uh, they're amazing. I mean, he, what he does on those printers, he just got a new printer that will actually now print in metal, mm, okay. uh, not just plastic, so in metal. He does a lot of castings, you know, that he can make molds for, uh, uh, or molds that he can do castings for water pumps and whatever he needs mm-hmm. for, you know, whatever particular car that's a one-off or something, you, you know, that was handmade back in, you know, the teens. Sure. Yeah, I think we uh, was there a couple of months ago, and uh, he was putting together... He was like replacing the cylinder liners for a Benz aero engined Mercedes car, mm-hmm. which is the naming convention is ridiculous because it's a it's it's not a Mercedes Benz, of course, but it is way before their merger. But it's a Benz. I think it's a Benz engine in a Mercedes chassis, and it's yeah. And he has to like rebraze all of the stuff from brass, and Absolutely. it's just incredible. He, he he has a great facility over there, as you mm-hmm. saw. I mean, uh, you know, interesting. Last time I was over there, he is a great collector of motorcycles, as we all know. Yeah, so I mean, he his, and I have something really in common about his, that. His Bruff Superior collection is so unparalleled. He, had, he, he has a great Bruff Superior collection. And the last time I was over there, I, I looked and there were about 16 Bruff Superiors and kind of clung, uh, lumped into a corner. And, mm-hmm. and I said to uh, uh, one of the guys, I said, 
where are they from? And he goes, oh, that's a new acquisition. Uh, Jay just bought this collection of 16 because you never know when you're going to need spare parts. So sure. you know, <laughs> it's amazing. That's, I mean, that's the right mentality, though, yeah, of course. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so uh, what are what are some of the exhibitions that the Peterson has had over the last, uh, I guess, few years, or specifically the last year since, since we reopened, that uh, you've been particularly excited about? Or... You know, I, I, this whole museum, I, you know, I just... I just love to be here. You know, every time I get up and I go to work, uh, you know, I just, I, I, I'm just so excited and I feel really great. Um, we have, uh, we have, because I'm into motor, uh, motorcycles is like a passion of mine also, not just cars and racing cars. So we have the Richard Varner Motorcycle Gallery mm-hmm. and we change out some motorcycles now and then. But we've got such uh, an eclectic collection that shows people all the the uh, important bikes over over a certain time period, not necessarily the history of motorcycles. Sure. But uh, we've got some really great bikes. Our motorsports gallery, uh, Charlie Nierberg, uh, with uh, all different genres of, of racing cars from Formula One to mm-hmm. Indy to sports racers. Uh, I love our, our art galleries that are on the first floor. We have the BMW art cars that we hear. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had three at one time, which is almost unheard of, that, that uh, you know, Germany would allow, BMW would let three out, you know, mm-hmm. at the same place. Now we have the Keith Haring cars in there. The uh, Mullen Gallery with their uh, cars of, of rolling sculpture and now the Bugatti exhibit. Uh, being art- artistic, it's incredible that the Bugatti exhibit um, not only has Bugatti cars, but mm-hmm. the other family members that were sculptors and artists and writers uh, and furniture makers. I mean, it, it's incredible. And all of this, we have all this stuff in in that gallery. Mm-hmm. So you can really experience all those things. Uh, Bruce Myers Gallery, I mean, uh, of, of precious metals. Uh, phenomenal. Yeah. I'm just excited about it all. Yeah, I think it's pretty neat uh, now. I mean, since we changed over the, the Precious Metals Gallery to Precious Metals 2, two. Uh, that we have two EB110s on display, Yeah, which I don't think anybody else can say that. Which no. Is, and no, one of them is a Super Sport, so that's pretty cool. That's too. right. We have uh, in, the, in the Mullen Gallery, we have the Super Sport, and then we have our EB110 up on, in the Bruce Meyer Gallery. Yeah, right on. What are, what are some cars that you would like to see the Peterson display? Maybe not stuff that's in the collection, but maybe something... You know, something that you'd like to, to, to see show up at the museum in the coming years? Sure. Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, exhibits and curatorial is well on their way to, to fulfilling some of these wishes of not only mine, but, you know, some of the other collectors and board members here at the museum. Um, I'm going to be very happy when we, uh, we're going to be ha- doing an exhibit, up, uh, you know, for the uh, 70th anniversary of Porsche. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some Porsches that uh, I have a feeling one of them, I can't really say, <laughs> has never been out of Germany. And oh, I wow. think that's going to, that, that will be here. Um, we're going to do, uh, you know, uh, a couple of different racing displays on uh, Indy cars and Formula One cars. That would be fantastic. We have, a, we have a display coming in the Bruce Meyer Gallery, uh, an exhibit called... Um, Seeing red, mm-hmm. and it'll be almost the history of Ferrari. Oh of course, wow! All red cars, but they'll they'll all be displayed. So for anybody who's interested in Ferraris, like I am, I mean it's it's going to be fantastic. Um, you know, Pixar has been really great uh, with us and kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a new movie coming out in cars, and so they will. Uh, we have Lightning McQueen here now. We're probably going to be getting another one from the from the new movie. Well, that's exciting. And uh, loving toys and loving you know movies and that sort of stuff. I'm you know I'm really excited about that. Um, so uh, 
I, I think there's, there's quite a few things in the pipeline. We have another exhibit coming in about French cars and impressionist paintings. So oh, we, that'll be we, fantastic. We're going to match cars from the 1800s, French cars manufactured in France from the 1800s, with some French impression, impressionist paintings from the 1800s. That's, a, um, that's pretty bold for an automotive museum. I absolutely. Like it. We're, gonna ha- we're having a display which is going to match uh, high fashion with uh, special automobiles. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. Fantastic. Well, thank you again so much for taking some time out of your day. I know you're a busy guy, especially oh, with the holidays pleasure. coming up, uh, to uh, come and talk to us in the podcast. And I'm, I'm, I'm bummed it took us uh, this long to get you. But... Uh, thank you, Val. Anytime. All right. Right on. And thank you guys for, for stopping by for yet another Car Stories. I'm sure that uh, James would echo that sentiment wherever he is, deep, deep in the outback. But uh, uh, we'll be here uh, Tuesdays uh, with uh, new and exciting uh, automotive personalities every week. So uh, keep coming back and checking us out. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the latest Car Stories podcast, which was brought to you by our friends at Ogara Coach, friends of us and friends of the museum.